0: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For today's episode, it's kind of a follow-up on, on one that we did recently on body positivity. Um, and before we get into it, trigger warnings at the top for very brief discussions of sexual assault um, and suicide. And yeah, we recently did an episode on body positivity, and you, Me. Samantha, suggested that we do a companion episode on mental positivity, right? Which is a broad term that I think we coined. Maybe. Are we coining? Are we coining it? Do we maybe? want it? Uh, we'll are we coining it right
1: now? <laughs> maybe. And uh, we just said it because it is language, but linkage.
0: But it's more of like mental health, mental health. Yes, just care, mental health, and mental care. Yes. Um, and we'll. Yeah, we'll. It's a pretty broad term, but uh, we're going to—we're, I guess, talking about this in part because there is a lot going on in the world and in our personal lives, and it does seem like— There's a lot of mental health issues impacting women and um, how we take care of our mental health, something that is always good to discuss, right? um, and how we can support each other.
1: Right. I mean, it's been a rough few years for many non-binary and female-identifying population, and whether it's due to situations or just overall physical and emotional taxation due to the environment. Um, I've seen more and more of my really close and dear friends suffer without considering enough about their mental health. And when they do and when I do, oftentimes um, we add on more guilt for actually taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And I say that again as I'm one of those that does this. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm not trying to make this a self-help podcast necessarily. <laughs> I'm not about that. I'm not a licensed therapist in any way. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to be said to making sure you our friends in this mentee world and those around remember to give themselves or ourselves permission to care for ourselves and not forget that there is a lot of biological and mental reason as to why sometimes things just feel like it's too much.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And um, one thing we wanted to discuss in this um, is depression. Right. So that's going to be
1: kind of the linkage. So when we say mental health, um, I'm doing a broader, we're talking about a broader term of depression just an overall um, overwhelming feeling as well as with anxiety, but I'm kind of linking it more to depression, the sadness, um, the giving up, the hopelessness. So that's what we're going to focus on today. And there are many different types of depression. It's not just the simple, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, you don't have to say anything other than that to ask for help. That That's just a, a good term and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's ha- helpful to have a definition and understanding of what may be an underlying issue that we should be talking about. So at, out of the many and plethora of, I'm sure, identifications and actual titles. Here are a few. Um, some of the ones that are going to be more familiar and, and probably a little more used yeah, um, in the public world. As opposed to the private world? Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, um, major depressive disorder, which is a severe form of persistent depression. There's a feeling of loss of interest in activities or a general depressed mood, which has to be part of the diagnosis. So there are several symptoms and several um, criteria that it has to meet. And that's one of the big ones that people know. Mm-hmm. And it's very severe in its diagnosis. The persistent depressive disorder is used to be known as the dysthymia or a low-grade persistent depression, which lasts two years or longer. So it's persistent but not as severe as major. And then you have the postpartum depression or depression due to infertility or pregnancy at the same time. So it's kind of all that linkage with that hormone um, or the lack of. Mm -hmm. Then you have the premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is PMDD, which is pretty severe. And I know we use some types of birth control to control that as well. Um, Seasonal affective disorder, y'all know what that is. You get sad in the wintertime. Uh, Atypical depression, which is not persistent, but a pattern of depressive symptoms. So things can happen um, and you just constantly feel depressed here and there. It's not necessarily persistent. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you have a good thing happen, you're like, hey, everything's fine now. But then you hit right back to, oof. Right. And then you have the situational depression or stress response syndromes, not necessarily a psychiatric diagnosis, but can occur due to stressful life events or situations. I know that's pretty common for a lot of us. And as we're going through many of things, yeah, many of things, um, I think that's something to keep in mind. It's also important to know that people may have varying forms of depression, which can be diagnosed based on timing, mm-hmm. types of symptoms, and an actual chemical and biological differences in an individual. And... Multiple types of depression can actually be diagnosed simultaneously. Uh-huh. So you could have major depressive disorder and persistent uh, depressive disorders. It can be a dual thing. Mm-hmm. You can have postpartum with major depressive. So there's many, many linkages that we can't just say it's just just this. Right. Um, and also remember hormones and thyroid issues can cause major roles in depression and mood as
0: well. Mm-hmm. And we do have some statistics from Mental Health America for you. An estimated 12 million American women suffer from clinical depression annually. About one in eight will develop it at some point in their lifetimes. And yeah, all kinds of things go into depression, genetics, hormones, reproduction, biological factors like premenstrual syndrome, infertility, childbirth, menopause, and societal factors like work stress, family responsibilities, sexual assault, and poverty.
1: And interestingly enough, just because we were talking recently about the daughter syndrome, um, dutiful daughter syndrome, rather, Mm -hmm. and females being the main caregivers, actually, they are high risk for depression just on top of that. But even so, on top of that, if you're um, caring for a person who has dementia, yeah. it's twice as likely that you will be diagnosed with depression because of that stress level and the likelihood of isolation and in itself and just not able to cope and not
0: being able to care for oneself. So, I thought that was interesting to throw out there too. Right. Over 50% of women believe depression is a normal part of aging and menopause and do not seek treatment for it. And that's where they think um, their depression is coming from. Right, and actually depression in women can
1: have a misdiagnosed rate as high as 50%. Wow. And I thought that was fascinating just to know that women in general can still be misdiagnosed even though we may be a little more vocal Mm -hmm. than the opposite sex. Um, But it's still misdiagnosed often. Um, And as Annie stated earlier, half the women who are diagnosed don't even seek treatment.
0: yeah. Over 50% of women think that depression is totally normal for two weeks or longer after giving birth.
1: And that is one of the number one reasons people and those de- identifying as female oftentimes don't seek treatment. They believe it will pass or it would be better or just to, it's just better to wait it out. And oftentimes, femmes will not recognize depression as being clinical. Mm-hmm. I think the term "master depression is a reference to not feeling normal or like themselves but not want to identify it as depression or de- being depressed. And there is a likelihood, like myself, I don't realize I'm going through a depressive episode um, until I, the physical signs actually come out. So my physical signs are fatigue and even muscle pains mm-hmm. and over-excessive need for sleep. It's a constant tiredness, which is fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it was noticed sometimes that the actual feeling of sadness may not always be present. So I don't sometimes know that I'm sad. I just know my body's slowly shutting down. Mm-hmm. I've done this a lot. And even recently after a concern... Um, <laughs> after the many of health concerns that I've had, you yes. know, all the WebMD times I've uh-huh. told you about, um, I realized that I was depressed. And I've done this throughout my life. This is something that I can look back on, mm-hmm. you know, twenty twenty 20 hindsight, sure. and realize, oh, that was what's happening. Mm-hmm. I still sometimes can't even catch it until I'm in the middle of it, mm-hmm. um, which is quickly accompanied by my guilt because there's nothing really wrong happening in my life, which is why I can't recognize why I'm feeling this fatigued and tired and I don't nothing nothing mm-hmm. makes sense am I like, am I getting too much caffeine I'm not getting enough caffeine right. I think that happens a lot of people don't see symptoms or don't recognize it or don't want to know it too sure.
0: yeah I think the exhaustion is the one for me if I'm suddenly like it's tired and I don't want to do anything that's right. a pretty good sign right. So, we do have some more for you listeners, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back with something that I found out has an actual name, kind I of. It. I love it. It's called the not as bad as fallacy. And we have talked about this before, for sure. And mm-hmm. I bet a lot of you don't even really need us <laughs> to define it. But it, it's generally when you, you feel like someone has it worse. So what right have you to to voice your problems or, or complain um, I used to say to a friend who always felt bad complaining about, quote, heavy, quote, minor things when he knew I had so much, quote, major stuff to complain about. And I used to always tell him, it doesn't make your problem less legitimate or your feelings less valid. Don't get trapped in that comparing game. (laughs) (laughs) Comparing problems is not healthy or productive, although I can see some use for putting things in perspective now and again, but not like dismissing it or diminishing it. And we did talk about this a little bit in our trauma episodes, how women frequently don't report sexual assault because they feel their experience was not as bad as other women's. Um, It's almost the opposite of one upping. Right. For instance, if someone who has clinical depression compares their situation and their relatively, quote, lighter problems to someone who doesn't have depression Mm -hmm. and is managing better despite having, quote, heavier problems, they might not seek help, and they might internalize that in a negative way. They might experience all sorts of negative outcomes. And many of us get our self-worth in part from perceived strength and resilience, which exactly. might keep us from admitting that we need help or might make our self-worth take a massive hit.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely me. I want to be like, I'm the strong one. I'm okay. I'm yeah. stable. It's all good. I don't need any help. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I need a lot of help. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to get <laughs> through this together. I'm the same way, and it's good to have friends that know that about you. Right. We all handle problems in different ways, and they impact us in different ways. There is no absolute scientific method for measuring emotional suffering or pain. Yes, some problems are clearly worse in the scale of things, but we all know that, and that doesn't mean we should dismiss the smaller things. Being sensitive and aware about timing is important. But, yeah, I don't, I don't see any problem. <laughs> it just doesn't... <sighs> We all do it, and it's frustrating when you see someone else do it, but right. then you do it too. Right. <laughs> well, it's not as bad as that.
1: Right. But in the end, there's <laughs> there's plenty of space
0: where everybody has issues and need to fix it. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And for, for my recent experience with my dad dying, I didn't want to burden other people, especially if I knew they were dealing with their own things, and I didn't want to ask for help and or bother or upset anybody. Um, I have a friend who used to say that by... Trying not to create problems by asking for help, I created my own bigger problems right. and needed more
1: help. Right. So. I think I didn't, that was one of the things I kept telling you. I'm like, you need to understand. We want to help you. Those who really care about you want to help you. And when you don't talk to us, it makes us feel just like how you're feeling mm-hmm. about the fact that you couldn't come to us. And we would much rather be with you than not and yeah. wonder what we could do and that's that's one of the big things for everyone to realize i mean i'm talking to myself too because in my head i grew up with and this is something we talked about with the trauma stuff not wanting to be in people's way yeah. or not wanting to be a burden or not wanting or feeling like i'm going to be rejected mm-hmm. all of those different things but in actuality those who love you and care for you would much rather be there with you Mm -hmm. than not know what happened and come back to, oh my gosh, what happened to you? Why couldn't I have done this? And I think when we talk about like suicide rates and those who have taken their own lives, I know those who remain have that excess guilt of what could I have done? I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And not everyone, but there's this level. And not that hopefully it's not on... We're not going to victim blame anybody, but the truth of the matter is, in any situation, we would rather be there for someone mm-hmm. than to wonder what we could have done. And that goes for everything. Sure. Just someone who's going through any tragedy and are able to be come, able to come out of it, mm-hmm. to be able to be. Hopefully, I would think in my group of friends, they want to be a help. Yeah, and they would love to be a part of that, and it makes. I don't know if it's karma or whatever, but just intentionally, like, it, it helps them too. Right. It is a part of that as well. And I think when we were talking about um, you were not one to tell people, you were not one to tell people who had gone through similar things mm-hmm. of death. And I'm like, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to upset anybody. And I'm like,
1: but no, this is not about them. Yeah. This is about you needing help, and that's for everyone and anyone. I get that. As a social worker, I'm like, I don't want to think I've gone through my own things. I can't project this onto you. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference than being in time of need yeah. and knowing who you can trust and knowing who you can talk to and, and not having to worry about that. <laughs> right.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and th- that's something I have experienced during during this whole thing, um, people expressing to me that they feel bad, complaining about insert whatever problem here, uh, when when you've gone through such a loss, right. and it's kind of jarring. It's because sometimes you might have forgotten about it or you weren't thinking about it for a second, and then it's it comes zooming back. And I totally get the instinct; I've done it too. Um, but I don't see anything wrong with talking about something else, right? Yeah. Right. And I'm not sure why. When we were researching this, I just started wondering why it's so ingrained in us to dismiss our own problems um, to our own, like, stressors and anxieties. Why do you think that is? I
1: think that for many females and those who identify, and especially those who are marginalized, mm-hmm. marginalized females, the idea of survival and persistence means strength in oneself and the desire to not ask for help, and to be the solution, and not to cause problems, to not be seen, as I said earlier, a burden. Yeah. There's also this whole secrecy versus attention-seeking,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think and also a major part of this is being ignored a bit. Um, so when I talk about being attention-seeking or being secrecy, think about the Appalachian family that was, kind of became a social. They're a group in itself, and they're keep it in the family, that uh-huh. idea. And part of keeping it in the family is not to talk to people, including therapists or anybody else, about whatever situation is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So if you're depressed, put on the happy face. Don't act like anything's wrong because you're going to bring shame. Uh, blah, blah, blah to the family mm-hmm. or whatnot. So it's supposed to be internalized and, and supposed to be um, quiet. Or the attention-seeking is like if I ask for help, it looks like I'm just asking for attention. Sure. And I think there's this fear that you're that person, especially for females. Oh, yeah. she's just an attention whore type yeah. of mentality. And it's like, no. mm mm-hmm. Can we just go ahead and push that off the table altogether? Um, And I think, again, as I was talking about being ignored, we already talked about previously, and I know the episodes, many, many episodes of not believing women, Mm -hmm. um, doctors not believing women in general. As we stated earlier, women are misdiagnosed when it comes to depression, again, up to 50% of the time. So that may be a problem as well. If you Mm -hmm. actually do feel like there's something wrong and you just can't put a finger on it, a.k.a. I'm tired, I'm this, I'm this, but it's not necessarily physical as much as mental health stuff and it's not being believed that you're actually tired kind of personality, you know, perhaps that's one of the reasons you don't want to talk about it because I'm just imagining things Mm -hmm. once again. Or we could talk about religion. I know we brought this up and the idea that this all needs to be handled through faith and prayer. Mm -hmm. I was actually told that growing up. Um, I had attempted suicide At the age of 12, I think, and at that point in time, I think I told the story where I went to a friend of mine. My friend of mine reported to our school counselor. I had a sit-down school counselor report to my family. My family pulled me into um, a room and yelled at me. Mm-hmm. about how I embarrassed them <laughs> mm-hmm. and then how I, could I not come to them and to the church and, and how we, have you really been praying about this? Yeah. That was the question I was asked. Um, and I was going through a lot of issues, identity issues. I still am, and for, but this put this whole level of shame that I didn't understand growing up um, and because I was really, really into religion up until past college years, I felt like I was failing Mm-hmm. if I was not content and happy and satisfied. And and then the whole other part with that was, um, why isn't Jesus enough for me? Mm-hmm. And please don't get me wrong once again, I think religion can be beautiful, and I think faith is beautiful, and I think people need it as a way of coping, and people believe it, and that's fantastic. But when it comes and overshadows other things, such as getting medical help or, get you know, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's a problem there, and, and being taught that, makes you want to ignore it because you don't want to bring shame on yourself because you don't have enough faith. Mm. And then I think also there's this whole fear of being uh, listed or being labeled as crazy. Yeah. So going to a therapist, taking medication, going, doing any of these things, if you have a mental health disorder, then you are crazy. And that's not true. I mean, even now when we're talking about the shootings that have happened and the first thing they label are mass shooters, Right, mental health issues and right. that's the only thing you really hear as a defense mechanism True. Um, or a defense rather for them it becomes this whole stigma of they were crazy. Mm-hmm. You know and don't get me wrong I'm sure there's mental health in there. I'm sure there's a, like a many, many, many issues for anyone and everyone. Anyone and everyone who feel like they have the right to take lives or any of that or have the right to, to get something there's some other problems, mm-hmm. <laughs> we know this, but that label in itself, I think, deters people with actual problems like this to not want to be labeled. And I think those are some of the things. I'm sure twenty thousand more reasons could yeah. come about. Um, and I know there's tons of research. As I was reading through it, a lot of it was like, "All right, yeah, you may, they may deny this, this, and this, and this, this, and this," but on the reality, it is. Now, what do you? What can you do? I think that's the next part of the columns that I've seen when you read through why mm-hmm. to how or when. Right. Um, and I thought it was also fascinating that, again, men, it, there was a whole comparison to men versus women who handles what and how they handle how, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's still the fact that women also may not have the time to seek out help. Again, mm-hmm. kind of going back to the caregiver's part, but when you're trying to, quote-unquote, do it all and take care of it all, take care of it all, when do you have the time? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, that's true. I remember, I think I told this story on the podcast before the first time I went to therapy, the therapist said to me, I think you don't have time for therapy and it'll stress you out more. And I was like, agreed, because I didn't want to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I always thought that was kind of strange. It's It's almost like there's a level of, Gaslighting ourselves, mm-hmm. like we don't—we're so ready to not believe ourselves. And I do think it's interesting that we do it to our past selves too. Right? Like, what was I complaining about at eighteen? I didn't know anything. And there is some, again, perspective there. But we're so ready to just dismiss. Right. Um, it's just kind of like a reminder that hormones are
1: changing pretty fast. Oh yeah. In those times, and so. It, even though, yes, drama queen is a term that oftentimes happen to these teenagers or whatnot, which is unfortunate. You do need to take the time to listen. Oh, absolutely. Because there's a lot. I think that's when I started cutting.
0: Yeah,
1: it was when in teenage years, and it kind of became a coping mechanism. I and mean, I'm not, I'm not a severe cutter, but let me mm-hmm. put that out there. I guess we need to put this at the top too. <laughs> um, but like just the harming and or without realizing when I'm gripping myself, you know, like yeah. in that way. Learned it as a teenager. Right, So there's a lot of habits that begin there as a coping mechanism that you need to recognize and go ahead and talk to
0: your kids or talk to the kids around you about if you see that as a concern. Yeah, it's a really volatile time. Um, for some reason, when we mentioned we were going to do this, the first thing I thought of was this Seinfeld episode where there a coworker of Elaine, uh, I think her name was Toby, she loses her pinky toe. And Elaine feels something like jealousy about the amount of sympathy, and I think she gets promotion, um, which Elaine thinks is because of the pinky toe, because she lost her pinky toe. And um, one of the behind-the-scenes like commentary, uh, and by the way, that the toe does get reattached, if you're concerned. Oh, and is, you know, spoiler alert! Even, sorry, that didn't even come into my head. <laughs> you're like, not right, concerned they lost about this fictional in the story. Cool, <laughs> But in the commentary, one of the the writers said the inspiration for the story came from a woman working on a neighboring show who had lost her baby and allegedly her coworkers were jealous of the attention their boss gave her. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This is strange. (laughs) Mind-blowing. Oh, Seinfeld. The thing is, if none of us all seven billion plus people on this earth never discussed our problems because someone out there has it worse. We would never talk about the things that bother us. All of us, but one person who drew the the most terrible of terrible straws, uh, we wouldn't be able to have open and honest conversations about what was going on in our lives. I wonder who that person would be. I oh feel. my goodness! I don't even
1: want. I could. Oh
0: yeah. Oh. No. 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 Um, and this is actually important in the context of policy. Like, um, sure, the U.S. has internet censorship, but China has it worse. Right. Like, I've heard that, um, which is true, but it doesn't mean we don't have a problem. Right. <laughs> or Americans' men's rights activists who point to women in other countries who deal with more sexism. So what are you complaining about, right. ladies? So we see this on bigger, like, larger scale. And then there's the, when I was your age thing, stop complaining. Um, But yeah, kind of getting away from the original point. No, but you're right. I think um, that's exactly kind of where I started thinking about this whole
1: idea. Um, I had a conversation with one of my good friends recently where she felt, her crashing point was the silly and ridiculous reason, um, even to the point that her parent asked if something else happened that triggered all of these issues. And she felt so weak and that that she just couldn't understand why she as an individual who has a great job, has a good family, a home, and everything seemed to be okay, why she felt like this and why she was being like this. And the truth of that is it's not necessarily the issue in itself, but it's what the depression is hanging itself on. That's the statement that I wanted to make sure was said and heard. That I know this sounds very self helpish. Depression in itself is its own monster. And sometimes we can't explain why it's there. It makes sense with like death or loss and, and tragedy. But outside of that, the monster will use whatever weakness it may find in an individual to bring them down. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the reminder depression exists and haunts some of us all the time, yeah. at all times. And, and that's just how it is, it's how it's going to be forever. Um, And then for some, it's situational. Mm -hmm. Again, as we talked about, atypical. These things happen. You may just be a sad person in yourself. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more sad and cynical than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to pretend and play happy and bubbly when I have to play that role. And I can go. I can get it. But typically, I just want to be at my house and just silently stare at the screen Mm -hmm. and hug my dog. Just the whole idea of shaking it off or just letting it go is not a reasonable option. Yeah. Just like any element, mm-hmm. there's not always a cure. Yeah. And I I think you need to remember every day can be different. So one day is going to be rough. The next day may be okay. The next day may be eh. All of these things happen and we have flare-ups. And sometimes it's a great day and sometimes it's an awful day. And sometimes you don't have a flare-up, but you have a flare-up every day or you don't have one for months at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reminder that I want to talk about is because we beat ourselves up so often because of A, B, C, and D. Mm -hmm. And it can be as easy as someone who has gone through hell and back, coming back and saying, I've been blessed because I'm here Mm -hmm. and ignoring that tragedy, kind of like Thor. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, you know, the, I, I know, you know, I, I did that for you. <laughs> I brought you. that. I brought that back for you. Thank you. Um, the idea that you know, oh yes, I lost all of these people. I've lost my pretty much planet. planet? <laughs> he lost half his planet. <laughs> yeah. he lost all of this stuff. But the, yeah, but I'm still here. It's okay, and I'm going to keep fighting for another day. Yeah. And, and what happened? He became a glutton alcoholic. It's okay. The idea that you can find any reason to say I'm doing this wrong. Or I shouldn't be doing this. But those are the times that when you start ignoring things, bigger issues happen. And I think for me, the idea of trying to hold it together and then you fall apart and you see only one solution, which is, by the way, sometimes haunts you. As a person who have suicidal tendencies at times, and I I have to check myself, um, it's always kind of there. Yeah. And, and, and this is super serious and I apologize. I, I know this is one of those things that I'm like, I think it's necessary. It's always lingering. So having a breaking point, even though you have to remind yourself and hopefully you're in a good mental state to say, tomorrow will be different. Things do change. It mm-hmm. will not always be like this. At that moment, you may not remember that. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think I just, it needs to be a reminder that depression is an entity in itself and it's not just because it, it's not necessarily just because something is happening mm-hmm. and so you need to be careful and be able to talk and have your support system and be able to do all these things which we're going to talk about more later but I did want to bring that out that it is a thing depression is a thing it is a categorical thing that is not necessarily seen but definitely felt and definitely there in
0: existence on its own it's like uh you you come in with the MCU reference and then i come in with the harry potter reference it's a dementor yeah it's just Yes. And it
1: clings to everything. The negativity of your life.
0: Everything. Everything. All right. I love how our positivity episodes are always a bummer. (laughs) But we do have some (laughs) advice for you. Uh, But first, we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor. back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, so advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, this is, so uh, the beginning, the
1: first part for us is to define it and let you know so you can recognize it. Sometimes having a title Mm -hmm. is nice. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Being
0: able to name something
1: is very helpful. Right. So that's where we
0: came at the beginning. Yes.
1: And reinforcing the fact that just because not everything is falling apart doesn't mean you may not be feeling that. So now we're coming back with, hey, here's some things maybe could be helpful.
0: Yeah. And I hope that you know that you're not by yourself. Right. Because this advice is actually primarily for other people. Right. In your life. Right. So if you're going through something, um, if you're in the midst of a trauma, or grief, or some other massive loss... Um, this is more for the other people um, because it's, it's hard when we detect stress in people that we care about. Right. Because um, we often feel it too and we want to fix it and it cannot necessarily be fixed. Right. And sometimes it can't even be made better um, and it makes you feel powerless and useless and no one likes those things. It makes you face the randomness of life and your own lack of control and that's why we feel so uncomfortable and inadequate or, or a lot of us feel that way, I would imagine. I think
1: it also makes you feel incomplete. Um, you don't feel whole anymore. And when you lose a loss of self, a loss of a bit of who you wish you were mm-hmm. or who you once were, there's a whole identity crisis
0: mm-hmm.
1: in that so that, that people need to recognize that even though you're like, but, mm-hmm. what about? But there's still that whole trying to piece it back together. So you have to be careful in dismissing all of those things from other individuals.
0: Yeah. And if you feel like you don't know what to say or do, don't let that stop you from reaching out. I, everyone, almost everyone feels that way.
1: Right. And this is one of those moments where you just come in and say, what do you need? It's okay to ask. Mm-hmm. And they may not give you a straight answer, but sometimes that non-answer helps too. Yeah, And I think that's the best way you can do it. Just come in and say, I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know how you sh- handle, and I don't know what your coping mechanism is, but what is it? Let me see if I can help you. What What do you need from me
0: right now? What mm-hmm. can I do? Mm-hmm. And listening... Yes. Is always a good one. <laughs> don't avoid the subject if it comes up. Um, don't force someone to talk about it either. Get comfortable with silence. Uh, get prepared. Be prepared to witness pain and having no solution for it. Um, and don't really try to offer one because, again, it's not necessarily. You can give, like, tomorrow will be better. or You can do things like that. And I say this as someone who's in the midst of grief. Um, Grieving folks can be a little weird, Um, and they're all different. So you you might feel unappreciated because the other person doesn't have the energy to contribute to the relationship in the same way. Um, I feel like I was just kind of wandering around aimlessly, and I would just forget. I'd be in the middle of a conversation. I would just forget. Um, So... (laughs) Be prepared for stuff like that. Um, maybe don't say things like, it's God's plan. She or he is in a better place. You need to move on. Look at all you have to be grateful for. You should do whatever. Insert here. They've lived a long life. Things like that. Um, also, maybe don't tag posts with deceased on Facebook or exes or something like that.
1: Right. It's it's You need to be very careful. And you need to get permission. One, this is not necessarily about you. Mm-hmm. And I say this, of course, if they're your significant other and... and yeah. Do what you need to do to grieve and such. Um but if you're a friend of a friend who you did like them, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would also say um, with all of these things, validate the feelings oh, yeah. of an individual. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying God has a plan for you, just listen and just say, "Oh my god, you know, so how are you feeling? What do you what do you feel about this?" What mm-hmm. can again, coming back with the what can I do? Yeah. Whatever, We're just sitting with them mm-hmm. and ask how are you feeling about this? Mm-hmm. And then listen, because if it, maybe that person is religious and they say, yeah. I appreciate the time and they're in a great, better place, mm-hmm. celebrate that with them. Yeah. That's fantastic. Go ahead with that. But no, again, not everyone grieves this way either. And that's the same thing for anyone who's going through depression and it has no trauma or tragedy in it. There's no reason. They have to have a reason. Just ask, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Again, Listen. Sit and listen. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's always nice to hear you love them. Yes. I'm sure they'll take that in any way because I would love that. Being
0: appreciated is always, always nice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Check-ins. Check-ins are great for the long haul too, especially on big days if we're talking about something like holidays, anniversaries, birthdays. I found this quote, grief lasts longer than sympathy. Uh, And in those first weeks, months, people usually don't know what they want or need. So by the time they've figured it out, people have stopped asking a lot of times. And I can tell you, I am afraid. Like, I'll wake up at night and I'm like, one day people will check in on me. (laughs) 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 So very important. Uh, Very important.
1: Well, and with that, I would add, it's not about you. So just because you're uncomfortable, sorry. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to deal with it. Now, of course, if it's something because you have PTSD and you have trauma, of course, take care of yourself and look look to yourself and see what you need to do as well. But if you're someone that has good friends, you should also be a good friend and not everyone. And everyone's going to experience something sometime. Yeah. Right? And some things may be uncomfortable. And I think I, I dealt with that with my own PTSD triggers and sexual assault stuff. And, and of course, obviously, we're going to hear, we're hearing so much now, so many things yep. today. Uh, but one of the things that shut me down real hard with a couple of friends of mine is just them dismissing me yeah. or being, saying that they're uncomfortable or saying that I'm being inappropriate. Yeah. When it's my own experience. Right. You don't. Yeah. Please don't be that, people. Please don't. Because I'm sorry it makes you feel bad because you've never dealt with that. Yeah. But you need to take the time and think, what can I do to help?
0: And not, oh, my God, how do I avoid this? Right, right. Um, And one that you've been, a good piece of advice that you brought up a couple times is offer practical, helpful things like getting groceries, food, taking care of errands, covering something at work. And, yeah, don't depend on the person to call you because they probably won't. Uh, Offer concrete things with times and make sure to ask Things become very precious in grief. Um, Something might look like trash or laundry to be washed, but it might be a precious item of the dead or an ex. Um, Be sure to check. Also, for the long haul, your help might be even more valuable later. Run interference. Yes, that was so nice. Uh, When someone is going through something, everyone wants to help, and it's well-intentioned but exhausting. So having someone there to be like the gatekeeper is really helpful. Um, yeah, and understand what this can look like, what grief can look like, what depression can look like, and that it can look different for everybody, and that it does involve a lot of extremes. Um, and when you are going through something that's situational, something a lot of things I read said to watch out for signs of depression in the long term. They don't go away. I also learned that apparently recovery takes 18 to 24 months on average. What? <laughs> I swear this was Samantha's suggestion, and I feel like i It's very selfish because I'm like Annie needs all of this help right now. Please check check in on her. Uh, but it was your idea. <laughs> it was. So this is my idea. Um, and uh, take care of yourself too. Yeah, don't lose sight of your own your own needs. Um, not doing so, you can't be there for the other people in your life. Um, and there's, I found this really cool thing called. The Ring Theory about the Circles of Comfort from Susan Silk and Barry Goldman. It was a 2013 article from the LA Times. But it just shows how, like, you need to, even if somebody is going through something terrible and you can, you got to take care of them, but then you got to find something else to take care of you too.
1: And I think I'm going to come back with, as we're talking about people who are struggling through depression and just. Any level of depression, whether it's situational, whether it's atypical, whether it's postpartum, whether it's um, major depressive disorder, as I said, I think you have to be able to recognize other people need you. And sometimes those are the strongest. They're the ones that need you the most. And I think that's kind of been one of those selfish things for me as well, because I do this as a living, a mm-hmm. social worker, and um, my coworker, she is the strength of her Family, I, I'm I'm in awe of all the things she does, and and she needs to be checked up on. Mm-hmm. And I know for her, if she listens to this, <laughs> love you. Um, she will is willing to take the help, but doesn't ask for it. She tries to distance herself, but it's hard when it's maybe family or when maybe it's just your job and you have to deal with it. If you're struggling with. Emotion or lack of a relationship or because of a relationship. These are so many things. Those who seem to be the strongest that do all of these things, make sure you're checking in on them because mm-hmm. there's also the same people who need that help and sometimes you never know what's yeah. happening with their lives. They may be the loud, genuinely kind, you know, bubbly people, but there's so many things that they're struggling with that you don't see. Same thing with anybody you know actually has depression and you just don't see them for a while. Mm-hmm. Check in. Please check in. Um, For those of you who are struggling and you see the signs for yourself, you know your body. Mm -hmm. That's the good news. Listen to your body. Listen to your body when you know that you need some help. Listen to your body when you know that there's something not quite right. And we're not talking, once again, not necessarily about situational things, Mm -hmm. but just things that are happening internally that you don't realize is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, we're talking about what's happening today with all of the sad videos and all of the things that are happening around our country, all of the things that we're having to continue to fight about, recognize that you may be taking on more than you know, especially those who have higher levels of empathy. You're taking on a lot more than you know. Those who have high levels of anxiety and in, in, in jobs such as nonprofit jobs that go and work in a really high-stress area, um, some of the law enforcement, as well as emergency uh, responders, all of those people, they really need to be checked up on as well. We talk about 911 operators. That's someone that doesn't get talked to a lot. You're talking about teachers who are coming in that you may not understand what's happening in their lives right now. But be aware. Be aware of what's around you as well as, again, listen to your own body. This is a really rough time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're upbeat on the show. We
1: are. But the good news is on top of that, that it is being more accepted. Mm-hmm. There are things out there that you can do um, just going beyond, you know, just therapy, which is costly and, and very privileged mm-hmm. um, abilities. There's a lot of organizations out there, we talked about previously, that um, help funding, fund for therapy, as well as there's organizations that work with young children who have lost family members or parents. You have organizations that work with vets with uh, doggies. Uh-huh. Service dogs. Oh my goodness, y'all service Vets animals. With doggies. Vets with doggies. Okay. I just saw a video about this. It was fantastic. Okay. Um, but all of these things, and there are resources out there. Get your good. Uh, turn off your brain. Movies. Find those. Find the times with your good friends when you're sitting and doing nothing, inventing about whatever you need to. Find the times to be with your family. That if you have a good relationship, just get a good hug. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have a nice hug. Do you, you want to hug? I have some the, really good friends that are really good huggers. Like, I will personally, like, seek them out and be like, I need a hug right now. Mm-hmm. And there's just a few people who just think it's you really well. They but know just what stuff doing. like that. There are things accessible and just being kind and, and to yourself and to another. I think that's important.
0: I'm done now. Be kind. be kind. Be kind. Um Yeah, I think this brings us to the end of our episode on mental positivity. Uh, and yeah, for anyone out there who's listening and this is something that resonates with them, just know that you are not alone. You're not alone. Nope, And you are loved. You are. Um and we would love to hear from you. Oh, yes, we would love to be loved. Yes, we would. <laughs> you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia You can find us on Twitter at Mom stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff Mom never told you. Thanks as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard.
1: Andrew, we love you too.
0: And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You's production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.